Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Go out. See a movie. Get some ice cream. So that's the thing more and more clearly, is directing the attention more and more towards uh, uh, the ultimate reality. And so away from the personal and into more of a dhamma. This is what is meant by uh, seeing reality as it is. So uh, there is this Satipatthana Sutta, this uh, text we all have read on, uh, on the um, application of mindfulness. And I was reading something uh, interesting this week uh, where it was saying that, so in, the, in this text, it presents to us the four, what we usually call the foundations of mindfulness, the establishing, uh, establishments of mindfulness. So what are they there? The body and all the different ways we can uh, bring attention to body through uh, posture uh, and the elements and the parts of the body and the uh, stages of decomposition of the body uh, and the breath. And, uh, and then there is the uh, chitta, the consciousness, and the different colorings of consciousness when uh, it's agitated, when it's concentrated, all the different uh, ways consciousness is uh, colored or experienced. And the Vedana, the feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant. These uh, ways where to put our attention. And then the last one is Dhammas. Uh, these kind of very potent groups of things we can put our attention on, like the Four Noble Truths. And so in this text that I was reading, uh, it was interesting. It was... Uh, saying it's not so much about the objects themselves, but the way we are with them. The whole sutta is not about the object. In, for me, for many years, it was about what are the objects I have to look at and uh, pay attention to. But suddenly, the attention was really uh, about what uh, uh, them as doors to... Uh, How to, um, 
how to use the mind. It's not so much on the object. Uh, anyway, um, I talked a little. I want to talk a little bit about the Dhamma, the last category, because I find uh, it, uh, for me very rich uh, way to practice. Somebody today was asking, so what about these uh, Dhamma? What do you do with these? How do you use them? And uh, my way of using, using them is, uh, is to put the, uh, an image to use would be uh, glasses. So I say I'm going to put the glasses of the Four Noble Truths. I'm going to put the glasses of the Five Aggregates. Really use them as a reference to understand uh, the world. And so uh, that's one thing we could decide to do uh, at some point is uh, just think, let me today just see the world not from the point of view of me and my and mine and what I want and what I want to do, but that's like the conventional way to go about things. But um, can I see the world through the Four Noble Truths today? This is clinging. This is suffering. Ah, this is release from clinging. This is the path. This is applying the mind. This is using restraint. This is the path. And uh, divide reality uh, like this instead of in our usual way or through the five aggregates. Ah sensations, uh, recognition is going on, intention is there, this is being known, consciousness. So there's nothing uh, that is left out uh, of our practice. Um, when we read this Satipatthana Sutta, it's amazing to see that uh, from uh, going to the bathroom uh, up to the most subtle and sublime states of mind and even release, uh, the entering into uh, Nibbana, the touching, Sati. Uh, can be there and is useful. And so what, how do we do this during the day? Do we use it in this way? Not in a forced way again, because it can sound like this. No, uh, just as every moment is an opportunity uh, to extract from the conventional reality something ultimate. So there's always plenty of reality. Might not be the one we want, but there is right now, and in every moment, plenty of reality. So maybe I'll name some of the qualities uh, uh, of mind that are a 
around uh, sati to finish with. It's very interesting because uh, some of these qualities uh, might be there and might influence, uh, invite sati in, and uh, and also it might be the the opposite, where uh, being mindful invite these qualities to join, and sometimes it's more uh, experienced as a, some kind of a, spiral or some kind of synergy or they so for example I named faith you know there has to be a, some faith that this application of attention will bring some result and as we pay attention then uh, we see things more and more clearly uh, and then faith uh, grows same with uh, this effort. There has to be effort coming with, uh, with uh, uh, mindfulness. And when uh, it's working, when they're working together, they build on each other. Uh, there's the whole seven factors of enlightenment that uh, are known to come in the wake of mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness invites them uh, nurture them, maintain them, monitors them, and balance them, uh, and brings them to perfection. And I won't talk too much about them because uh, it might be later this month a talk on this. Um, but just to name them, so energy and uh, enthusiasm and interest and uh, uh, calm, tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. Uh, another quality that uh, helps uh, mindfulness is restraint. Restraint in uh, food, social, socializing, gossiping, restraint in activities, And with the presence of mindfulness, we find that there is so much reality that it also encourages uh, simplicity. We need less. Because there is enthusiasm for what is happening now. Uh, and silence, as we do here, is an extremely uh, beneficial uh, thing to bring in. And I like to go back to 2,500 years ago and think of uh, the Buddha who really praised silence. Uh, he practiced silence, praised silence. Uh, and sometimes I come here in the hall and uh, it's extremely quiet and it is so supportive. There's a story from the time of the Buddha where uh, there was a king that wanted to meet the Buddha. And uh, there was a large gathering uh, of monks uh, be, uh, with the Buddha. 
and he was brought there by some people to go see him. And just as they were getting very, very close, uh, he couldn't uh, believe that he would find a large gathering of people there because the silence was so exquisite. And actually he thought that there was an ambush, that he was going to get caught in something because the quality of silence uh, was really deep. Also, there's stories where the Buddha, when the monks were getting too noisy and somewhat annoying, would just uh, disappear, just take off and go find a quiet place. So this uh, mindfulness, also something that inspires me about it is uh, to see that uh, the awakened beings uh, were known to practice mindfulness. Even after having reached uh, complete freedom from suffering, having gained the wisdom to see things uh, very clearly to see the mechanisms of uh, suffering and the mechanisms of uh, freedom and applying these, uh, uh, the beneficial ones and freeing the mind. It says that uh, they practiced mindfulness because it was uh, the most pleasant way to live. Uh, like the best... Uh, strategy to meet life. So not only is it uh, the most important quality to uh, use on the path and to bring us to freedom, but also it seems to be an expression of uh, realization and the path itself. So these were a few words, a few thoughts on uh, mindfulness. Thank you for your attention. Maybe we can stay here in silence for a, a minute or two. Hang out with friends. Why be here? Because uh, it's not uh, it's not easy to be a human being. 
um, an, an embarrassing situation to find ourselves in. Didn't quite uh, decide to be here. Find ourselves here in this life with this body, this mind, most of the time that we uh, would like to replace, either this or that or the whole shebang. It doesn't behave properly. The outside doesn't behave properly according to how we think it should behave, you know. Nor does the inside of a lot of the time. So we've tried uh, you know, to avoid seeing this by uh, multiplying the occasions of uh, having fun or gathering some pleasant uh, experience of uh, hearing, sensing, uh, tongue, taste, uh, smell, etc. But it keeps uh, kind of failing to provide something uh, sustainable in terms of uh, satisfaction. And so, uh, yeah, we can try to mask, patch, but uh, even when it goes well, there's this feeling that it could change, that it's unstable. And so um, there's this uh, thought that might arise, there must, be, there must be another way. There must be a way out of this. This is uh, known as uh, the beginning of faith. This, uh, there must be another way to deal with this. And so um, we find that there is a, a way. Apparently, at the beginning it sounds like apparently there is a way, a tradition, a method to apply the mind and train the mind, op open the heart-mind so that we can uh, find something that is deeper, rich, rich, richer, some kind of freedom uh, that can last. Something better than the high and lows that constantly come and go, or, uh, or indifference, or, you know, kind of checking out. Something much, uh, much uh, deeper and richer than that. So, um, The trouble in our life comes from uh, a bunch of uh, habit patterns uh, that are detrimental to us, not beneficial. And they're based on uh, wrongly understanding how things work. And so if we, uh, in a way it's very simple what is the solution that is offered. Again, looks simple. It's just this idea of paying attention, paying very close attention so that we can see what are those patterns and where do they truly lead, and also what, uh, what is under the appearances of things. What, what are these uh, mis uh, 
misconceptions or misunderstanding that we uh, live our life uh, based on. So uh, the Buddha uh, was teaching this, uh, this attention, this, this gift. I find this most amazing gift, uh, sati, this mindfulness. Because it gives us uh, independence. That's, that's how I, one of the things I like the most about this. Is you don't have to believe in stuff. You just have to get this tool, develop it, so it works well, and then it says that you will see for yourself what's what, what leads to what. So tonight I'd like to talk uh, about uh, sati, mindfulness, and uh, just different bunch of ideas about it, uh, how it works and what it is, and it works in conjunction with uh, which other qualities or all kinds of consideration about uh, around sati. So sati, mindfulness, is one of the translation. We could think of it of, uh, in terms of uh, presence of mind. In French, we say uh, pleine conscience. So if I translate it literally, it means uh, being fully conscious of uh, what is happening. So it has to be, uh, this mindfulness has to be uh, present time-based, to be very efficient. Actually, it's known also as to, um, one of the translation of uh, sati would be remembering. And uh, my understanding of it is remembering uh, what we tend to forget all the time, remembering the present moment and what it's made of, because the present moment it's, it doesn't really exist. It's made of something right now and the next moment made of something else. So what I refer to as the present moment is never twice again the same thing. So it's very immediate, a clear seeing of uh, what is uh, directly happening now. Uh, also, we could think of it as a, uh, an extraordinary attention, something that has, uh, that has, uh, penetrates uh, whatever it's aware of. And so, uh, when I say it's present uh, time awareness, it means that when it arises with the object of meditation, so right now if you put your attention in your feet, the attention of feet couldn't be there before or after, or cannot, uh, cannot be attentive to the sensation of feet uh, at any other time than right now. Whatever the object is, 
could be a sensation like now, or mind state that is present, maybe right now. sensation of pleasure or something neutral that doesn't stand out so much maybe. So there's the aspects of the present moment and the other important aspect is non-judgmental without uh, reactivity. So it means also without expectations doesn't have a goal, this mindfulness. It's not to get rid of or to get more of. And this we fall into a lot of the time. This is a gross way to have this experience of wanting some, something else. But there's also very subtle ways that we have to be aware of. Wanting something else. Mindfulness is uh, just interested in what is there. Just this. And the funny thing about it is that it's, um, I don't know if I can say this in English, it's, um, it participates, I will put it this way. It's not um, like it doesn't have an impact. Although I don't want things to change, I don't apply mindfulness in order to get more or to get rid of. Just by its presence, it changes what's going on. That's the magic of it. It's a new condition that enters the mind. And it has an impact on what is going on. So being... Uh, mindful of impatience. Although I'm not mindful to get rid of it, it has an impact. It brings a whole new thing in the mind. So we can see that uh, with this idea of a sati, mindfulness, having no judgment, reactivity, expectation, it already carries within it some base uh, of uh, equanimity that will be uh, developed uh, later on the path. But it's already there in a very uh, minute form. Also, it's not forced. It's much more like uh, the way I think of, of it, more like receptivity. It's uh, more open. And if you think of uh, uh, mindfulness, also the quality of remembering that I talked about, uh, try to think like when you, you're trying to, um, when we're trying to remember something, the name of somebody or, or some title of a book or something, is it better when we tighten up like, what is this? Or when does it come often for me? It'll come when I relax. A few, mi few minutes after I give up the search, suddenly there's a relaxation that is there. And uh, maybe the name will come back when the grip is let go of. So it's a really a quality of receptivity.
an acceptance because it's not possible to actually be close, intimate with what is going on if we don't accept it. So there's acceptance in there. And in the case of uh, people like us who have uh, some practice behind us, uh, there's already a, a, an amount of wisdom that is available. And so there's an understanding that when something is there, it's because the cause are right to be there. Or maybe this understanding is there sometimes. That if whatever arises, uh, whatever arises uh, as causes, it didn't happen out of nowhere. And so it helps us uh, accept it. One of the things that sati helps us remember also is the wisdom that we already have. Anger helps us forget the wisdom that we already have. And uh, mindfulness helps us remember even the wisdom that we al almost don't have, or newly have, or that is very fragile, that is not completely uh, ingrained or in us, so that it has this capacity to do this. Also, it's empirical, it's experiential. There's three modes of uh, learning. There's studying, then reflection, and there's uh, uh, the direct experience that sati uh, gives us access to. In our culture, uh, learning through studying and reflecting is highly valued. And the direct exper experience, less. For the Buddha, it was the opposite. He put a lot of emphasis on direct uh, experience. All these things we might know, but it's good to run over them again and just think of how I use my time here in the day. What amount of time is uh, uh, given to reflection. Uh, and the tendency of mind to go back to reflection uh, all the time. These three modes of understanding are very important. It's not like there should be just one. There's this story uh, that you probably have heard of the six blind men uh, touching the uh, an elephant. They have never uh, seen an elephant and they're asked to describe it. And uh, so they go with their direct experience. One is touching the belly and he says, oh, it's a wall. It's like a wall. One the tail and says, like a broom. And one the uh, leg and is saying, oh, it's like a trunk. An elephant is like a trunk. So that's all based on the direct experience only. So these three modes uh, have to be uh, together here. Because thinking of reality is not uh, reality. It's mindfulness that gives us access to uh, reality. 
So it's a kind of uh, understanding that it brings, it gives us access to an understanding that is deep, penetrative, uh, intuitive, embodied. That's how I experience it. Very much embodied. Another aspect of uh, sati is um, the way it looks at things. When I don't have mindfulness, the way I look at things is very personal. My story, me and the world, and uh, the world uh, against or okay with me, or, and all, all in this way. With mindfulness, uh, we drop this. And there's kind of two ways that I see that uh, we start to experience the world and all the phenomena that arises. One way is kind of universal, I would put it. So as I'm studying, feeling, getting to know what it is to be this human being, it gives me access to all the rest of human beings, maybe living beings too. It's not my pain. It's not my agitation. It's agitation is like this. This is agitation. I find this tremendously inspiring to practice in this way. Especially when it gets difficult for me. Oh, this is what it feels like for human beings. I feel suddenly uh, very intimate with others. So it's one way we can remember to practice, uh, to reframe things in terms of the universal of what we're experiencing. Another way to uh, also uh, remove the personalness of this whole thing is uh, to look at it as dhamma, things to be known, phenomena. When this is there, it leads to that. It's not like, when I do this, this is what happens to me. It's, oh, uh, there's something almost more uh, scientific or, I don't know if clinical is the word here. And the remembering, one thing uh, I'm remembering right now, is that uh, this beautiful uh, quality of sati is that it remembers itself. And we have experiences of this, where suddenly we're like, oh, there was this intention to be uh, present. And so it has the capacity at some point to remember itself. So it's interested in what is uh, here, now, reality as it is. Not interested in uh, adding more pleasant. Uh, it's a kind of a 
radical honesty, in a way fearless also. It doesn't fear touching uh, the unpleasant, the difficult. It has this quality of uh, proximity or intimacy that I named earlier. Sometimes it's referred to as uh, non-superficial. An image that is used that, um, is that of a cork on wat water. The cork floats and it goes this direction and that direction. That's our usual level of attention. Oh, this grabs my mind. Oh, I see this, I go this way. And then uh, this proximity, intimacy or non-superficiality is this idea of like more of a rock that falls at the bottom of the water, even in the mud down there. often compared to a mirror because it sees things exactly uh, as they are. It reflects in a very uh, simple way. An image that I like very much um, is uh, the one of water. I see uh, mindfulness like this because um, it gets very close, even it gets inside things. And also, it's uh, very responsive. It doesn't jam, you know, when it touches something. It's, if this thing has this form, this is what the water will do when it goes down. It will envelop this form, not another form. And uh, so it's very responsive. And it's transparent. It's not a quality that... Uh, we see it doesn't have color to it. Uh, it's clear, so it can take uh, the object that it uh, meets. And I was reflecting on this when it says uh, it's a clear knowing. And I was practicing thinking, what is this clear knowing? And, uh, and how does it get clearer? How does things get clearer? And one way that I thought of it, there's probably many ways to think of, uh, talk about it, but one way that I, I've observed uh, in my practice, and you might recognize this too, is uh, how it starts to separate or deconstruct what is happening. So... Uh, an example would be, uh, well, just me, 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 old Pascal sitting there. And uh, so this was before I started practicing was me sitting. And now with time, it's like, oh, what is this me made of? So you see, it's deconstructing. Oh, so there's sensations, there are thoughts arising, sensations are changing. That's the same with Pain, at the beginning, it's like, oh, I have pain in the knee. And with attention, when I start to see more clearly, I can s feel sensations, uh, recognize pleasantness or unpleasantness, reactivity, 
to the sensations, thoughts about it, and then so it breaks uh, things. And for me, that's what it means by seeing more and more clearly how things are uh, getting broken. And that can go very far. So there's the rising of the breath. There is a breath, then there's, ah, this is the rising. And with a sustained attention and the deepening of uh, this uh, uh, mindfulness, at some point, rising is not good anymore. It's not enough. It's not the reality of what's going on. There's several things happening here, several risings, or several bits of things happening. So it gets uh, broken down to finer and finer um, uh, chunks of, of reality, I could say. And one of the ways that it breaks things that is uh, uh, very important to notice is how it breaks things into mind and matter. Pushing the feet as I'm uh, doing the walking meditation. So there's the pushing the feet, but that's the meeting of mind and matter, intention and physical sensation changing. So this is what we give attention to. Oh, there's, there's two worlds meeting here. The world of matter, the elements, and the world of mind, uh, intention making this happen. Another way that it breaks uh, things, I was thinking, is uh, where it's helpful is uh, when I think of uh, my mother, let's see, and I'm in, there's some difficulties there, and I think of my mother. And I remember J uh, Joseph saying often, your thoughts about your mom are not your mom. And this breaking down happens as, uh, oh, so there is an image that comes to mind. This is not my mom. This is an image that comes to mind. And there is my own internal voice saying something to me. And when I would think like, oh, this is my mom talking to me. Well, it's not. There is. And so we start to put things back in their place so that the suffering uh, lessens also with this. So uh, one thing I want to talk a little bit about is um, when we say, uh, when we're mindful, we're mindful of um, basically what comes uh, in our, uh, what, what is present right now, what arises, what is most predominant, evident in our experience. So often we say this, what, whatever is there right there, we pay attention to this be it a sensation, but there's a distinction that is very important here between this uh, apparent reality and ultimate reality. And what we want to give attention to, what really sati mindfulness does, is it gives attention to ultimate reality. And this is mainly what, uh, this is what I've been talking about uh, some here now. 
so when uh, ultimate um, how to explain this so when I when I think of uh, my yogi job this is apparent reality. I'm thinking about my yogi job. I might be aware that I'm thinking about my yogi job, but I'm a little bit in this story. The ultimate reality there is the step behind. Oh, thinking is happening. Here we just touched some ultimate reality. So ultimate reality is made of uh, four things. It's made of consciousness, the mental factors. It's made of materiality, matter, and nibbana. And so what we try to do is get closer and closer to this ultimate reality. But we use apparent reality to ex uh, extract from it the ultimate. So we find ourselves uh, uh, putting on our boots to go outside. I'm putting my boots to go outside. And then, whoops, sati comes. And what we, we go straight to the ultimate reality. Oh, so there's hardness, pulling, pushing, moving. There's uh, whatever mind state is fine, found in there. This is what we put our attention into. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.